Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Ready? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, our only his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. He rose, on, they, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Hug somebody near you. My, my wife and I had a dream. You can have a seat when you're ready. Don't be in a rush. Uh, my wife and I had a dream that one day Tasha Cobbs would lead worship at our church. And God is the uh, <laughs> fulfiller of dreams. Amen. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Uh, I, I say this regularly, but those of you who are uh, joining us, we say the Apostles' Creed uh, at the beginning of our services for, for two reasons. Um, number one, um, it, it's astonishing how ignorant some people of, are of the basics of our Christian faith. Uh, and this is kind of distilled down to, if you're going to be a Christian, you've got to believe these things. Right? Like this, is, this is, like, we can disagree on lots of stuff. This is kind of like the bare essentials, right? It's like uh, if you're going to call yourself an NBA player, you've got to be in the NBA, <laughs> right, right? Does that make sense? Like you have to like, and so if you're going to be a Christian, there's certain things that you need to believe, and uh, these are pretty much distilled, uh, number one. Number two, um, I had um, an error in the Pentecostal charismatic church is our lack of heritage, uh, most of Pentecostalism goes back to the early 1900s and ignores church history before that as if God showed up uh, you know, 1900 years after the resurrection. And as a matter of fact, there is a historic faith that is rich uh, and explains what we believe. Uh, you know, one day, uh, it's not like somebody woke up in 1970 and, and, and discovered what Christianity was. Um, like we've been working on this for, you know, uh, you know, a couple dozen, uh, you know, centuries now. And it's important for us to be tied to t church history. Does that make sense? And it's important that we don't leave our history in the past. Amen. Amen. And, and this goes both ways. Do you want me to move this? Is that what you're saying? Or is it good? All right. I don't know. Duke is, t I need to move over here. Duke is sending me signals. I'm not sure what the signals are, but he's sending them. Is it on? Or just to get, now, now they can see it? I oh, know. I wanted them to see it. It's a bad glare. Is it hurting your eyeballs? Is it hurting your eyeballs? I don't want to be a hurt. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be a problem. Move it where it won't glare, Duke. Help the people out. It's a bad glare. We don't want a bad glare. In the middle. Duke will be in charge. Hallelujah. When we go live, we're going to have all this figured out. We're going to have all this figured out. Don't worry. The word is good still. The word, the word, word may glare, uh, but, it, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, it's important that we don't forget our history. Uh, we, we, we like to forget the, the uncomfortable parts of our history, uh, and we like to uh, magnify the good parts of our history, and sometimes we will shorten our history if it makes our history less painful. 
we will sometimes forget the hard times we went through uh, to make ourselves believe that we've always lived in the good times. We'll recreate our own identity uh, to make ourselves better uh, as if our old times didn't happen. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Okay, I will get into it. You will get this. I, I got saved. I got saved in, um, uh, in, in my mid-20s. I, I lived as a heathen. And um, what I have found is leading up to your salvation, or I can share my testimony and many people that I have met, leading up to your testimony, it becomes more and more clear that you need to get saved. Like before you get converted, oftentimes uh, the, the season right before your conversion are some of the most uncomfortable times of your life. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so what we, we do is God, God somehow makes our life so uncomfortable that we begin looking for solutions that we would not have looked at before. Does this make sense? So, so he'll allow our lives to get so uncomfortable that we'll say, fine, I'll even look to the Spirit for a solution to what I'm going through right now. But what happens is, uh, once we get saved, we all of a sudden stop talking about that stuff that happened right before. We'll begin to minimize it because we're afraid it makes us look bad. We're embarrassed of what we went through. We don't want people to know what we went through right before we got saved because somehow we identify with our new creation and we don't identify with the need for redemption. And here's what this looks like. And what this looks like is, uh, now that I am saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and walking in righteousness, this is who I've always been. And so I am somehow qualified to tell you how to live your life because this, as far as you know, is who I've always been. You see what I'm saying now? And so what God does is um, God, God wants us to remember our history in its entirety. I remember when I got saved, Jesus was all I thought about. When I finally found Jesus, I would fall asleep at night praying. I'd wake up in the middle of the night praying. I'd wake up in the morning looking for the Holy Ghost because I knew how badly I needed him in my life to rescue me from the nonsense I had created. This is pure conversion. This is what salvation looks like. I knew I needed saved from something, and I was terrified that that thing would come back and run my life again. So I ran with God, not only toward the God destination, but away from the devil's destination for my life. Amen. 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 Does that make sense? And, and I ran like this. This life, you know, th 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 this, this was it. And what happens along the way what happens along the way for so many believers and ministries and churches is that the running toward the future, uh, the running toward this new life. See, like before I got saved, I had a picture of what life could look like. After I got saved, all of a sudden there was a new future ahead of me, right? This is what conversion looks like. If you've not experienced this yet, I encourage you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior so he can give you a new vision for the future. But what Jesus shows us is this new vision for the future in Christ. And somehow we lose the in Christ part. We just begin to think that now that I have received Christ, this new future is available for me as if I have crossed over into the promised land. The enemies are all behind me and now it's just land of 
milk and honey. However, Christ Jesus is still supposed to be the center of this journey. Here's what I'm trying to talk about here. The longer I walked with Christ, all of a sudden, it wasn't so much the walking with Christ, it was this new future that he had promised that became the idol. It was this, it was this American dream. It was this idolatry of success. And somehow with Christians, um, many of which who got delivered from just an awful past of, of drugs and, and uh, sexual immorality and greed and lust and just all the cares of the world, they get radically saved, radically converted, run with God until the past doesn't seem so close anymore. And then all of a sudden, their dreams and desires look just like the rest of the world. Does this make sense? It doesn't, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't change. It's the same vices. It's the same desires, the same... Lust for comfort, it's the same, Bible calls it idolatry. We just go back, except we have a little Christian tinge on it now. Now, now we don't say we want to be rich, we say we want to be prosperous. Right? We, right, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't say that we, you know, we want to be sexually fulfilled, we want a God-honoring marriage. Right? We don't, we don't say that, you know, I want to be somebody, we say I want to be uh, an influencer for Jesus. But it is the absolute same goals with a religious stamp on it. And then we don't see the glory of God in any of it. And, 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 and this is how we see so many of our Christian leaders in this last season come up looking like crazies. Because they have now recognized that their goals don't look any different than the world's. Now, this, this, is, this, this is what Israel looked like when Jesus showed up, right? So in the time of Jesus, uh, it was, the, as they say, the best of times and the worst of times for Israel, and, 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 and we're continuing this thought in our uh, Luke message series. In this message series on the Gospel of Luke, we're just kind of wander our way through the book of Luke, picking up as the Spirit leads us. Uh, last week we, we talked, uh, we were in uh, Luke chapter 1. Uh, this week we're going to be in Luke chapter 3, but give me a second as we get there. See, we have to understand the history of Israel to understand who Jesus was talking to and why he was saying these things so that we can hopefully rightly understand the scriptures and apply them to our lives. Does that make sense? We, 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 we don't understand the foundations of the scripture, why Jesus said what he said, who he was talking to, what the context of those words were, and then we try to pull these words out of the Bible and wonder why they're not working for us when we have to understand the meaning behind the word so we can rightly walk with God. Amen? I want the God kind of prosperity in my life. I want the God kind of freedom in my life. I want the God kind of liberty of the Spirit in my life so that I can be living in the peace that the Bible promises me. We can't live in an, a carnal understanding of peace and prosperity and uh, at the same point expect God to bring it to us. We need the spiritual kind of kingdom kind of peace and prosperity that only comes from following Jesus as revealed in his word. Can you say amen? Amen. This is what we're going for. So when Jesus showed up to Israel, Israel, of course, was dominated by the Romans. Uh, and so in that sense, they were not free. But in another sense, the, 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 the temple had never been more glorious. 
let me say it another way. Uh, the government had control over the church, but they had the most beautiful church ever. The worship was beautiful. The temple had the gold all over. They had the sacrifices. They had the feasts. They had the festival. They were in the second temple, which was even more glorious than the first temple. They had the, 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 the Sadducees there running the temple looking beautiful. They had the Pharisees running the, 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 the synagogues, which were just amazing uh, places of discipleship and word. In every carnal sense, things had never been better for the Jews. And Jesus and John the Baptist show up in this situation saying, you are judging everything wrong. You are getting it all wrong. See, they, they learn to live in the world and not be any different than people simply keeping religious duties. Let me say this again. They lived in a carnal world feeling very self-righteous because they were keeping their religious obligations, but they weren't actually serving the living God. They had a beautiful church. They had, they had perfect programs happening in the church. They had, um, uh, uh, just, they had the rituals. The only problem was, as Duke talked about in the offering, nobody's heart was being transformed. They weren't transforming hearts. Let, let, let me tell you, let me tell you um, I, I, um, I, if any of you are familiar with IHOP worship, you may love it or, or, or it may not be your flavor. Let me tell you what I love about IHOP worship. Uh, uh, there's these prayer houses all over the country, all over the world now, actually, and it is filled with nobodies worshiping God who nobody will ever know about. There are nobodies who will never be famous Who've decided to give their life to worshiping God? Now, whether you think that's you know, a call for you or not a call for you or whether people should be doing that, that's irrelevant. What is relevant, there's some people who are saying, I am going to give my heart to Jesus and it's going to do me no good in the natural right now. I am going to do what I feel is like worship to God with no paycheck. I am going to serve God even if it doesn't look glamorous. And i got to tell you, this is what God is doing through the IHOP movement. I believe even more, now I'm just Carl, right? I'm just a guy in Boca. I believe even more than the actual intercession and the actual worship, I think a, a modeling of young people giving their lives to God is an act of defiance of the American system that you need to sell your life to make money. That's what our society teaches you. Our society teaches you that you get the best years of your life and you work yourself to the bone to make somebody else rich and maybe one day it'll work out for you. That's, 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 what, that's what our society is built on. You give up your best years and you just hope upon hope that someone will be nice enough to give you a retirement in 40 years. 50 years. That, that is the plan. And these young people said, I'm not buying into your system. I'm spending these years worshiping God. I'm spending these years serving the living God. It is an upside down thing that they are doing. And all over our country and all over the world, there are young people who are saying, I am not buying into this system any longer. Now, I don't want to go down this road. I don't want to offend you if you've become a billionaire off of minimum wage workers living on, uh, uh, on government assistance. Uh, but I, um, 
I, I, I got to believe that there's a better ethic out there. I believe that Jesus brings a better ethic out there. I just have this feeling that if Jesus came up on the planet and someone were to say to him, hey, Jesus, um, should I pay my workers a little better or should I fly myself into space? I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling that Jesus might have an opinion on that, right? Now, I'm not talking about what the government should do. Like, the, the, let me tell you how the church is getting it wrong. And sweet Jesus, pray for your pastor right now because I'm, I'm going into uncharted territory. Okay, when we talk about this stuff, people say, oh, the government. Whatever. Jesus didn't talk to the American government once. America is not in this Bible. The president is not in here. Congress is not in it. The Supreme Court is not in it. The governor is not in it. You know who's in it? You're in it. And what you are supposed to do with your wallet and your heart is what's in this Bible. Okay, so when I'm talking about these things, I'm not talking about should the taxation rates be, but I'm not talking about any of that, but someone has trained Christians to think that way. I want to get you free. What I'm saying is if the Lord were to position you to have 5,000 employees and you had the possibility of either becoming a billionaire or making 4,000 of those people comfortable, which would you choose? Which would be the righteous choice? Which would be the God-honoring choice? And I'm here to tell you, making other people comfortable is the kingdom way. That is the kingdom way. That is the kingdom way. Now, if you're wealthy, I got nothing against people being wealthy. The Lord, the Bible tells us time and time again, we should be able to store up wealth and give riches and all that, right? I'm, 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 I'm not some sort of um, socialist or whatever they like to call people who believe the words of Jesus about giving to people who need. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, right? And so we're going to get in the word here. I'm going to just show you a little bit about what the Bible says about this. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. Okay, so, so, so during this season of this beautiful church, John the Baptist shows up on the scene, right? And now Malachi had a word about John the Baptist 300 years ahead of time. And he, and, 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 and he talks about John the Baptist, in, um, and he says here, it, it's quoted by, uh, 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 by Luke in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, he, John the Baptist, will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so, that, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Leave that up, if you would, for a second. So the Bible said that there would be somebody who came in the spirit of Elijah, right? Now, just, just track with me for a second, if you would. Now, if you look at this through a, a natural, carnal kingdom mindset, you think of Elijah, you think fire from heaven killing enemies. That, that, that was not Elijah's mission. Elijah's mission was not to call fire from heaven to kill enemies. Because as a matter of fact, they went right back to idol worship after that. Right? What was Elijah's mission? Elijah came to let people know that they are worshiping false gods so that their crops would be plenty and that they would be financially secure. This is why Elijah came. He said, you're worshiping your Baal who will give you fertility. Your, excuse me, would give you crop increase. You could have control over the weather. You're worshiping, you're worshiping Asherah. 
so that you could have fertility and you would have lots of offspring and make you wealthy. You are worshiping this instead of the living God. No, 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 no. I'm going to say something here and don't let it break your shelf, right? God, that whole time, was trying to get these Israelites to be monotheists. But they kept believing in other gods. They actually believed in many gods. They did not believe that there was one true God. And Elijah was trying to teach them, just like the prophets before him, there are no other gods. Quit worshiping other gods. We like to think that the people of Israel had this whole there was one God thing worked out and then did some other stuff. No, no, no. They thought that other people's gods were real gods. And the problem with that is you start thinking that these other gods are going to do you better than Jesus. And when you start thinking that other gods are going to do you better than Jesus, all of a sudden you've elevated an idol to the place that only God should be. And so Elijah came and said, listen, if you want to worship other gods, I'm going to let you worship them. Watch what they give you. They will bring you famine. They will bring you hurt. They'll make you think you're in control, but you won't be in control because God is still in control. And he's going to say the only way your blessing's coming is through that idol. And that idol may serve you for a little bit, but at the end of that idol is bondage. This is what happens at the end is bondage. And so Malachi said, hey, things are not going well. We're back to where we were back when the prophets warned us that we're worshiping other gods. God's going to send somebody just like Elijah. Now that's a warning. If he's sending Elijah the prophet, that means you're going to go through some hard times to learn there is only one God. Are you with me here? This is the spirit of Elijah. And so he said, how is he going to do this? Very quickly here. Look, He's going to, the disobedient are going to be, excuse me, he's going to turn the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. Attitude. It's a heart thing. The attitude of the righteous so that people are prepared for the Lord. You got to look at this connection here. Your heart condition, the attitude of the righteous. He wants you to have the attitude of the righteous. He didn't say you got to be righteous. He didn't say you got to be doing everything right, but you got to have the attitude of the righteous so you can be prepared for the Lord. If you're saying, why hasn't God come through yet? Why has God not met me in this season yet? Why? Because maybe your attitude has not prepared the Lord to come into your situation. Is it possible that your attitude is not one of that, that you believe that Jesus is the one true God and can deliver you from your ailment? Is it possible? Watch this now. Is it possible that you have some level of idolatry in your heart that says, mm, I don't know if this Jesus God is going to come through. I am still holding on to this other one just in case. I got a plan B other than Jesus. My attitude is such that Jesus is not the one on the throne, so I have not prepared for him to come and deliver me yet. Listen to this. Your connection with God is determined by the attitude of your heart. Your connection with God is determined by the attitude of your heart. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue through and through. Where do you perceive Jesus in the story of your life? Where do you perceive Jesus in the story of your life? Again, one more time, back here, verse 17. It is he who will go as a forerunner before Jesus. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. Watch this now. 
those whose hearts are not right towards God are called the disobedient. The bitterness, the gossip, the judgment, the suspicion, disobedient. Now, in the church in America today, we don't want to hear about obedience, disobedience, correction. Like you get, you just, just find out that someone might be corrected. People start getting offended. It's like, it's in the Bible. If you can't receive correction, you cannot, you're not prepared for the Lord to be in your place. If you don't have a heart to say, I want to be corrected. I want, I want, I need the rebuke of an elder. I need somebody to speak into my life and tell me what I don't see. If you do not have that in your life, I'm, I'm here to let you know. There's a possibility the Lord is not active. We are not actively growing with the Lord. I, I misspoke this, uh, this, this concept. Uh, around the time of the insurrection, I, I spoke about people who were just lying so much that I, I didn't think they had the Spirit of Christ in them. And it came out like political, certain political people weren't saved. And I got so much, you know, I, everything I say up here is perfect. Like I don't, I don't write a script and have nine people look at it and then, you know, make sure I don't speak a sentence wrong. I don't, I'm not saying people aren't saved. However, I don't want to just be saved. I want to be actively moving with the Holy Ghost of God. I want to live in the spirit of truth. I, 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 want, I, want, I want the Holy Ghost to permeate what's going on on the inside of me. And the Bible here says that the attitude, your heart prepares a place for the Lord. You have to be correctable. You have to be humble. You have to be generous. You have to be uh, allowing people to speak into your life. This is, this is, this is, I mean, this is Christianity 101. Amen. And this is what John the Baptist came because, watch this, the people of Israel were not positioned to receive correction. They thought since they were performing so well, they were above correction. No, look, I'm, I'm, we're, we're the leaders of the synagogue. What are you, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Everybody thinks that we're great. Everybody thinks that we're great. Come back to God. Like Elijah showed up at the end of the natural drought, if you remember, to tell people that they were in a spiritual drought. The natural drought wasn't the problem. It was a spiritual drought that he talked about. Now, we can think, we can think you know, if we got enough money or our, our family's good or, or, you know, if we're living in prosperous times, that, that everything's good. And that's what was happening in the time of Jesus. Come back to God, they're saying. What? Come back to God? Like, we, we are the people of God. We're God's people. We're God's covenant people. What do you mean, come back to God? Do you not see how the temple looks beautiful? Don't you see how we've got Jerusalem here? Can't you, can't, can't you see we have the temple, the feasts? If, if we need anything, what we need is God to give us just a little more power over the Romans. And John was like, the Romans are here for a reason. Because you're not actually free. And you don't even see it. Luke chapter 3, let's look at this. Here's what he says. Luke chapter 3, verse, uh, verse 2, I believe. He says, now, in the high priests of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, the son. Watch this, real quick. <clears throat> You better be able to recognize who the Word of God comes through in your life. You, 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 better have a, you better have an ear to hear when the Word of the Lord is spoken to you by someone you may not want to receive it from. 
I, I have found uh, just, just like in those hard times before salvation and someone shares the gospel and it's not quite time yet, you think it's the dumbest word in the world. Now, now many people, when, when they get saved, you witness to people, uh, they later on after they get saved, they remember all the people who witnessed to them before that. Everybody who tried to save you from the foolishness you fell into after, after they witnessed to you, like, like they told you, like they could see. Because as an evangelist, they had a prophetic eye to where your life was heading. And they shared with you, man, you need to come to church. You, you need to get saved. You need to get right with God. You need to come. You need to, you, 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 you're like, ah, no, everything's good. Look, I'm partying. I'm having a good time. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. But you're spiritually dead. But you didn't know it. And you weren't humble enough to receive the prophetic word of the Lord that you needed Jesus. And so slowly, your natural life starts lining up with your spiritual life. And then the word of the Lord comes to you again. Someone else witnesses to you. Or you see something on a TV or you remember an experience you had when you were a, a child. And the Holy Ghost is saying, drought. You're in a drought season. It is time to turn back to the Lord. And you don't listen until the Holy Ghost, finally your attitude shifts and the Holy Ghost is able to come. So the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, verse 3. And he came into all the district around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, here's people who didn't think they needed anything, they'd had anything to repent of. Yet the word of the Lord had come that repentance was needed. The word of the Lord had come that repentance is needed. I, I, hope, you're, I hope, hope you're getting this in your heart. And what I really feel like is happening, I really feel like the Lord is turning us to his word. He's turning us to his spirit, turning us back to what Christianity is about. And that's about Jesus Christ saving souls from eternal damnation. This is the Lord Jesus Christ sending his messenger to say that my, my conduit, the church, will transform the world. So he came in the district around the Jordan preaching the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Of course, this is, this is all prophetic. It is the Jordan that the people of God crossed over to come into promised land. This is all, it's all prophetic. As if you were to cross over again today, you can get free from the thing that you didn't know was chasing you. If you will repent today, God can come and set you free and your sins can be forgiven. See, so many people say, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian already. I prayed that prayer last year, last month, you know, when in youth group. I'm, I, 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 I'm a Christian. I, I serve church, you know, every, every, every once in a while. Uh, you know, I, I pray at the beginning when we say that thing uh, at the beginning. I, I go to church uh, some, some of the time. Um, uh, but what I really need from God is, is you know, I don't, I don't need forgiveness of sins. What, what I need God is um, to bring me a little more money, uh, a, a, a bigger house maybe, maybe a mate, maybe just a better job, maybe just a little more success. In the words of Israel, what we need is, what I need is just power. I don't need forgiveness of sins. I, I, don't, I don't need my heart corrected. What I need is just a little more power. It, that, that, that's the state of the church in America today. We don't need to repent of our sins. We just need a little more power. And Jesus is like, nah, the way it works in this kingdom is you give up power. 
and you receive deliverance. This is how it works in this kingdom. And so people are out there building their Tower of Babel thinking if enough Christians agree on something, it becomes truth. And friend, it never becomes truth. What happens is a bunch of young people sit in a room in a city nowhere and they pray and Jesus is like, these are my people. People serve the least of these with no glamour, no glitz, no glory. And Jesus says, this is my people. A bunch of somebody's doing some things. Everybody's looking at them like idols. Jesus is like, this is not my people. This is not what I came for. This is not what I gave my life for. This is, this is the idolatry of our age. This is what Isaiah came for. It, it, I mean, excuse me, <clears throat> the spirit of Elijah came for. It, I don't want to go down that road. But this is what the spirit of Elijah came for. It's, it's about our attitudes. It's about our heart posture. It's about humility. It's about listening to authorities in our lives. It's about living a life of repentance. Living a life of repentance. This is how David said it. David was the king of Israel. And, 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 and the Bible says that God loved David's heart. Watch this. Psalm 51. He had just had an affair with Bathsheba. Psalm 51. He says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my sins. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Listen, this is the heart we need. This is the heart posture the church in America needs today. This is the heart posture that Revival Life Church needs today. This is, the, this is the heart posture that the Thomas family needs today. This is the heart posture that I need today. You see, we get saved and all of a sudden our sins are no longer before us. They're just some other person we like to call our old man. That, that, that's not in me anymore. That's, that's someone else. That, that wasn't me that did those dirty things. That, that's not me who, 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 who did things that I'm embarrassed to talk about. That's, not, that's some other person. Me? No, I am great. I am amazing. I'm God's gift to the world. I, I have, I, I'm just, you guys are pretty fortunate to have me around you. I don't know what it would be like without me, right? Like this is, this is the American church today. Instead of saying, my sins are ever before me. If not for the grace of God, there's no way I could understand this book. There's no way I could do anything God-honoring. There's no way that I could give glory to Jesus. There's no way I could have a successful family. There's no way that I could do anything that anybody would find honorable because it's the blood of Jesus that's made me who I am today. It's that sacrifice on the cross. It's that virgin birth. It's that resurrection. It's that intercession in heaven. It's that heavenly hope that one day I'll be with him again in heaven. These are the things that qualify us. My transgressions are ever before me. I recognize I'm not perfect. I recognize that it is the blood of Jesus. I'm not talking about getting into some self-hatred. I'm not talking about getting into some, I'm some terrible person. I, I, but I am talking about, if not for the grace of God, there go I. Amen. John the Baptist had a twofold message about Jesus, that he would change the course of history. This is his message. He said that Jesus would take away the sin of the world and that he would baptize you in the Holy Ghost. He'd take away the sin of the world baptize you in the Holy Ghost. You can't receive the baptism of the Spirit 
without Jesus taking away your sin. And in this we read that this repentance would lead to good works. Jesus came under the anointing of God. Here's how you know. Here's how you know. Shabbat. Here's how you know that Jesus is speaking through someone. This is how you know the Spirit is at work. John's, John's preaching to him, right? John, John, is, John, is, John is going at him. John's giving him the what's happening, right? Like he's, he, 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 he's preaching. In, in verse 7, he goes to the, he goes to the crowds and, and uh, with them to be baptized. He calls them, you, you son of snakes, who warned you to flee? Verse 8, he says, he says, he says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Don't begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. Well, you, these stories about God, you know, we're, we're his people. Don't, don't, don't say that, you know, how, how could you be talking to us like this, pastor? Don't you know we're the church? This is what they said in Israel. This is what, this is what they said. Oh, I, well, we're, 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 our lineage is so good. How could it be? How could you be talking to us this way? What, 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 what do we do? What, what, what do you expect us to do then? He says here, I'm going to get to the scripture up there. Verse uh, Verse 10, the crowd started shouting to him, what shall we do? And he would answer them and say, the man who has two tunics is to share with the one who has none. That's pretty clear. Let me read you the Bible some more. Let me read you a little more Bible. He who has food is to give the ones who have none. It's the Bible. I'm telling you what the Bible says. He doesn't say fly to space. That's not what he's talking about. And some tax collectors also came to be baptized. And they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? The tax collectors are the people who were robbing from the Jews to give to Rome. These were Jews who were betraying their own people. What do we do? He said, just don't don't rob people anymore. Just do your job. Quit robbing people. Right? And some soldiers were with them saying, and what about us? What do we do? Again, don't take money from anyone by force. Or lie on people so you can get more money. Just, 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 just do your job and be happy with what you get paid. This, 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 this is what it looks like. Hear me. This is what it looks like when the real gospel gets preached. When the real gospel gets preached, you start saying, how do I behave more righteously? How do I react to the compassion of Jesus Christ? How do I be more Christ-like? This is what happens when the Holy Ghost is in the room. Do, 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 are, 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 you, are you tracking with me here? I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm trying to kick off a reformation right now. Like, like, like I, 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 I'm, I'm, if I could just be honest with you. I could just, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be honest for a second, honey. I stand with people in great turmoil. And they say, Pastor, help me. Under, and I say, okay, let me read the Bible to you. We're not going to talk about Carl's opinion. We're not going to talk about what's on the TV. We're not talking about the gossip that you've been listening to. Let me just read you the Bible, straight from the Bible, the words of Jesus, the words of Paul. Let me just read this to you. And people are like, well, I think, I don't, I think that's mean. I'm like, your problem's not with me. Your problem is that you have not turned to Jesus. The, the problem here is that you somehow think that what you think equals the Word of God Uh-oh. and supersedes it. 
This is what John came to correct. This is what Jesus came to set straight. This is what the spirit of Elijah came to set fire down on, saying, hey, listen, the word of God stands forever. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word will never pass away. If you want to line your life up with something, line it up with the word of God. Okay, I'm not getting a lot of, I'm not getting a lot of help here, but that's all right. I'm going to stay with it. I'm staying with the word. Y'all don't got to help me. I'm staying with the word of God. I'm sticking with the word. Watch this. <clears throat> Verse 16, they, they all came to him. They, they were like, 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 maybe you're the Messiah. My God from Zion. Watch out for, for preachers who are treated like the Messiah. They said, maybe you're the Messiah. And he said really clearly, verse 16, As for me, I baptize with water, but the one who's coming is mightier than I. I'm not fit to untie the thong of his sandals. Watch this. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. The Holy Ghost and fire. Come on, somebody. The Holy Ghost and fire. Don't tell me you're baptized in the Holy Ghost if the fire of God is not burning up the sin in your life. Don't tell me you're overflowing with the Spirit, but you can't stop gossiping. Don't tell me you're baptized in fire, but your finances are all crooked. Don't tell me that you're baptized in fire, but you're talking bad about the poor. Don't tell me that you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and you're talking about how many of the foreigners we should murder. Don't tell me that you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and we don't see the fire of God at work in your life, convicting you of your sin. Come on, somebody. Come on, we need some real fire-baptized believers. We need some real fire-baptized believers today. That's what the world needs. The world don't need more Christian politicians or Christian businessmen. We need fire-baptized believers who can say, the word of the Lord came to me. And it said, we're supposed to turn back to Jesus. We're supposed to turn back to the living God. We're supposed to get people filled with the Holy Ghost and fire so that he can deal with the sin in our lives. Come on, y'all don't want to help me. That's all right. That's all right. I'm going to keep preaching this gospel. I believe it's worthy. I believe it's worthy. I believe it's worthy. Brandon, you're going to play me some pads here in a second. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. When this Holy Ghost comes upon you, I make no, I make no, mm, I make no apologies. I make no promises. I'm going to tell you the fire is going to come upon you and he's going to start convicting you of sin. He's going to convict. You know what's, you know what, you know what's, you, amen. You know what's so uncomfortable about living with my wife? Let me tell you what's so uncomfortable about living with my wife. My wife is a woman of God. My wife is a woman of God. And I'll be complaining to her, and I'll be complaining to her, and eventually she'll just say, you need to get your heart right. You need to walk in forgiveness. You can't be talking like this. This is not godly speech. You, gotta, you need to repent of this heart attitude. She, now, she don't call me a sinner, doesn't insult me, doesn't put me down, but she does talk about the words that come out of my mouth as an indication of what's going on in my heart. And I'm just like, I don't want to hear that right now. I want to complain and feel sorry for myself. And she'll say, you need to repent of your sin. You need, well, she doesn't say it that way. She's nicer. She's like, but you need to repent. You need to walk in forgiveness. You need to forgive. You, 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 this is, she's like, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. I don't know how that's going to work out. But I know how you're going to work out if you don't get your heart right. You need to get your heart right. 
Come on, somebody. That's what you need in your life. That's what you need in your life. You need to get your heart right. You need to get your heart right. The spirit and power of Elijah. Come on. You need to get your heart right. I say, you'll know. You'll know me. You'll know me. You'll know me. She knows. She knows. She knows. Come on. You need somebody in your life. You need somebody in your life that you say, you know, when I disagree, when I completely disagree, I'm still going to listen because I need somebody to tell me, you need to get your heart right. You know what the problem with being deceived is? You don't know it. You don't know it. And there better be somebody in your life when they say, get your heart right. You're like, I need to get my heart right. You know what I do when I don't want to get my heart right? I don't talk to her. I'll just hide in the study, you know, in my other side of the house. I'll just be like, I'm in here praying, but I'm just looking at Reddit, you know. I'm just like reading about football. I'm I'm doing anything but getting around the conviction. That's what I'm doing. I'm just hiding from the conviction of the Lord because I ain't ready. Come on, I'm the only one, right? Yeah, yeah. Come on, get your heart right. You better listen. Come on, somebody. Come on, we can talk about the problem like after the heart's right. Get your heart right. We can't have a conversation about the problem until your heart's right. Because you're viewing the whole thing through that log in your eye. Shabbat. All right. Do you need that Holy Ghost in fire? It's kind of optional in the church today. Except Jesus needed it. It's amazing when we need less than Jesus needed. It's amazing that the Son of God needed something that we feel like we don't need, right? That's a funny, it's a funny, funny place to be theologically. Funny place to be theologically. Ah, that's for dad. He probably needed that. I don't, you know. He's just, you know, God in the flesh. Eternity. All things that were created, created through him. Spoke the world. But, you know, he, he probably needed that. I didn't watch this. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit, watch out now, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. A dove didn't land on him. The Holy Ghost landed on him like a dove, right? Get it right. The Holy Ghost descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Help me out, Brandon. See, listen, listen, ha, Shabbat. See, mm. now if Jesus Christ functioned in the power of, of the Holy Spirit. Now, he was fully God on earth. And I don't believe he gave up one bit of that authority. I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I know this might mess with your theology a little bit. Jesus did a couple things that you ain't never going to do. And he did it because he's God. 2,000 years of Christianity, I haven't heard of anybody walking on water. I haven't heard nobody walking through walls physically, right? That was Jesus doing that. That wasn't the power of the Holy Ghost. That was Jesus, the Son of God, doing that, right? But you need the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. You need the anointing of God upon you. Jesus Christ was anointed with the Spirit to minister His Word on the earth. Jesus, oh, hmm, come on, come on, come on, come on. Play me some here, Brandon. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I feel like God is doing something right now. I feel like God is doing something right now. Jesus, at the beginning of his, his earthly ministry, got the baptism of the Spirit, right? Shabbat. Came out of the wilderness, came out of the temptation, 
got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What did he tell his disciples? Wait. Don't wait. Don't you go do nothing. Don't you think, because you've been with me, you've been in church for three years now, you're something. Don't, don't think just because you know my ways that you're something. Could you imagine being discipled by Jesus for three years? Can you imagine that discipleship process? You might think you're somebody at the end of three years, right? I see believers one year in the church think they're an apostle. I'm like, three years, Jesus himself discipled them and still said you ain't ready. You need the power of the Holy Ghost on you. <clears throat> and so I say today in this house, stand with me if you would. I say today in this house, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on. We need the power of the Holy Ghost <clears throat> at work in our lives. We need the, 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 a baptism in the Spirit and fire. Can you say amen? We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost that makes us reverence the Word of God, that makes us reverence the church of Jesus Christ. There is a satanic plot that is traveling through the generation saying that the church is somehow fake and somehow that there's some, some, some uh, the, the Word has been mistranslated and that the church isn't real and that God... This is a demonic plot forged against people who do not have the Holy Ghost of God dwelling on the inside of them. Come on, somebody. We're going to break it, amen? We're going to break it. We need the conviction of the Holy Ghost in our lives. We need the conviction of the Holy Ghost in our lives. We need a restoration of the fear of the Lord. We need a restoration of the fear of the Lord in this, in this, in this, in this country. We, 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 need, we need people who, who, who open the Word of God and are fearful of mistranslating, of misappropriating God's Word, of misapplying His promises. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray in the Spirit. Father, in the name of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we ask... There was a point in worship. God came down and I saw the angel of the Lord and pierced my heart and out of a flood of emotion come over me and someone had a, a tongue in the back and I said, man, the, the Lord is lifting off the weight of the world. The Lord is lifting off the expectations of the world. The Lord is lifting off and setting us free. From idolatry. Brandon, you're going to put me to sleep with this music. I feel like I could start soaking. I'm just going to lay down. Listen, just put your hands out. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for a fresh baptism for all of us. If you're online, stretch your hands towards the screen. We're going to, wow, we're going to pray for a fresh baptism. The ladies got together Friday night, and they just laid, and Jesus came in the room and began ministering. Stand up here with me, honey. Jesus began to minister, and people started getting visions and started getting prophetic words, and I'm here to let you know Jesus is doing that. 
So, Father, right now, wow, in the name of Jesus, that you would pour out your, just, we're going to pray in the Spirit right now. Now, I want you to be brave right now. I want you to be brave. If you don't have a prayer language, so why don't you just wait about 15, 20 seconds. Why don't you say the name Jesus, then just start speaking in tongues. I believe the Lord is going to start filling right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, just ask, whoa. Then all over the room, if you would ask for a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. We need a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire. In the Holy Ghost and fire. It's a new season here. It's a new day. The Lord is doing something special. He's doing something new. This next Sunday evening at 6, we're having intercession here. We feel like it's the end of the season for burning room. It's time for intercession. And at 6 o'clock, we're going to pray in tongues next Sunday. We're just going to pray until God does something. If you want to be part of that, come. But we're going to pray for a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. We believe that we're called to be God's moral voice in this earth. Turn to Jesus. Act righteously. Come on, pray in the Spirit, people. Pray in the Spirit. Father, we ask. We ask that you would come. That you would come in fire. Pray in the Spirit. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Pray in the Spirit. Father, that you would come. And you would set us free. There we go. From the front to back, left to right. That you would come, Lord. Mm, shake. Ah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. In the name of Jesus. That you would release your spirit of prophecy, Lord. You would release breakthrough, Lord. You would release healing, Lord. You would release words of knowledge and words of wisdom, Father. You would release tongues and interpret, come on, tongues and interpretation. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Come on. Come on, I don't hear nobody praying but me. Come on. In the name of Jesus. In the name... Come on, pray in tongues. I hear, I, I, I'm about to say something scary to you. I feel like the Lord is bringing old dreams back. I see him plowing the ground of disappointment. I see him plowing rows in fields of disappointment. And fertilizing them with his word. Watering them with his hope. And I see old promises coming to life. Come on, let him show you right now. Old promises coming to life. Shabbat, old promises coming to life. The word of the Lord for 2021 is we're going to learn Jesus. We're going to learn of Jesus. We're going to know his ways. And some of that means he's going to prune off things that aren't his ways. And in those fields of disappointment. Wow, wow, wow. Come on, just keep praying. I'm, we're almost done here. 
right here under this anointing, why don't you just go ahead and forgive? Why don't you repent of your judgment? Come on, he's going to bring healing. Just, just choose to forgive. Repent of your judgment. And get your heart right. Come on. Come on, get your heart right. Get your heart right. Holy Ghost is here. Get your heart right. Lord, correct me. My heart is ready. Get your heart right. Shaka. Get your heart right. Get your heart right. Come on, we're almost done. Lead us in a prayer of getting our heart right and all that, whatever that is. As you're led by the Spirit. going to bring revival in your life. Wow. I heard last night um, when I was praying to share, uh, I think it's John 14, that says, let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. And I believe that there's just things that we have been carrying, uh, maybe offenses, things that haven't gone the way that we thought they should, disappointment, And right now we have the opportunity to lay these down at the foot of Jesus and say this, we we give up our right to hold on to this, right? To be offended, we give up our right to be disappointed. So right now, if you would just pray with me, Lord, I lay down every disappointment, every offense, every uh, person that that I feel has done me wrong, I just lay it down right now. I give it to you, God. I declare this is this is your problem, not yeah, mine. Your problem. I, I give it to you, Father. My heart will not be troubled with these things anymore. I lay them down at the foot of the cross, and all I give is forgiveness. I give up judgment, and I declare, um, Father, that I surrender to you, and I give this to you, God. I release every offense, every disappointment, and I trust in you, God. And and even uh, though God doesn't do anything wrong, we get to lay down our disappointment with God. We lay it down, Father. We declare that you know what's best, and we trust in you. And I just pray right now, if anyone uh, comes to mind, any person, any situation that's coming to mind right now, it's coming because God is moving in this room. And this is your opportunity to forgive and give up your right to judge. And as you're doing that right now, I just, I thank you, God, that as we lay these things down, we welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. We welcome Jesus into that situation. I just repent that you let it in. I repent that I went into judgment, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Yes, Jesus. Cleanse my heart. Ready? Cleanse my heart. Now we just command every foul and wicked spirit that has landed on that sin. You know you have no authority now. Blood of Jesus. And now you have to leave. Blood of Jesus. Freedom. 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 Ha. Woo. Now go ahead and fill them. Shake up. Who feels good? Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. You should be feeling lighter right now. Go ahead. That's that's deliverance. 
That is sweet deliverance. Father, we thank you for that deliverance. That is sweet deliverance. That's hey, that we welcome right you, there. Holy Ghost, That's to come and, and fill every broken Jesus. place in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Fill every broken place. <laughs> ah, thank you, Lord. Father, I pray right now that you would flood, flood. each and every <laughs> person, flood their heart joy. with your joy, joy. your peace, joy. your freedom joy. in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come into every relationship. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Every broken relationship. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Father, lift every burden right now in Jesus' name. I declare your peace and your goodness over every person right now. Freedom. Shake up. Freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Come on, Amen. give a clap for the Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, if you're new to Revival Life Church, Intro to Revival Life is happening. You can step into that now. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to see you here free, filled with the Spirit. Are you with me? And we may have Tasha Cobbs leading worship. We may have people leading. I don't know. We don't know, but we're going to worship Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give a clap to the Lord. Next Sunday night, we will have intercession here. Give somebody a big hug. Don't, don't run away. Anything else you want to say, honey? Have a great week. We love you. We love you. God bless you. If you need prayer, Duke will cast the devil out of you right up here.